John chapter 11. We had a wonderful uh, memorial service yesterday for James. Yes. Didn't we, Amen. Carol? The Lord just answered so many prayers. It was, you know, it was, we, you know, we knew that a lot of people were praying and there was a lot of challenges and a lot of things going on, but God just answered the prayer and I just was, I was blown away. It was something. So, uh, where am I here? You know, we, we did the whole thing yesterday and then it's like, I thought last night was Sunday night. I thought, oh no, this isn't Sunday night, this is Saturday night. We got to go back there again tomorrow morning, you know, so... But, but that's okay. We, we love being here and, and just being together with the family. And, and uh, so a little bit of review before we jump into chapter 11 and kind of some context here. Uh, John chapter 10 is uh, the Jesus, the good shepherd, right? The whole chapter kind of deals with Jesus being the good shepherd, that, you know, that he's the son of God, that he, that he cares for his sheep. You know, and, and we saw at the end of chapter 10 that it says many came to Jesus and many believed in him. There are a bunch that didn't, but, but many did. Now, chapter 11 is about really the raising from the dead of this man, Lazarus, right? The whole chapter kind of deals with that. So we're going to begin that. We're not going to do the whole chapter today, but... Uh, it's kind of interesting because after this chapter, starting in chapter 12 in the Gospel of John, all the way from chapter 12 to chapter 19, it really deals with that final week in Jesus' life leading up to the cross. And then in chapter 20, we have the resurrection of Jesus. And then chapter 21, they, they call it the epilogue, so kind of the wrapping up of, of things. So, so we're kind of like this, this last chapter before the final week as it, as it kind of leads to that, to that cross. Now, what I want to talk a little bit about today is, is this. When you, maybe this is true for you as well. When you love someone, you hate to see them suffer. And when someone is sick and someone is suffering, it hurts. It's hard when someone you love is going through something difficult. Is that true? Matthew Henry, uh, the great commentator, he said this, the sickness of those we love is our affliction. And the dearer they are, the more grievous it is. That's kind of what we see as we begin this chapter now, chapter 11, in the opening section. That's kind of what we see here. Uh, the sisters, there's um, uh, Lazarus, you have Lazarus, you have the sisters, Mary and Martha, and they love their brother, Lazarus. And it was very difficult what they were facing. But we also see that Jesus loved this family. And he loved each one of them individually. It actually it says that he loves each one individually. And, and we see that, you know, he had this love for Lazarus. That's kind of what, what kind of came out when I was looking at it. So, but let's start with, with this statement here. This is a statement I want to build on, is that Jesus loves us no matter what happens. And nothing can separate us from that love. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at these, these opening 16 verses. But before we do that, I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Now, Romans chapter 8 is a phenomenal chapter. It's like a, it's just so much incredible 
things that Paul brings out there. Romans chapter 8, but I want you to, to look at some verses with me dealing with this idea of the love of God. And uh, in, in Ephesians chapter, chapter 3, Paul prays that they would know the love of God and they would know how high it is, how deep, how wide, how far, how incredible that the love of God is. But here in uh, Romans chapter 8, in verse, starting in verse 35... He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, verse 37, in all these things, in all these things, in all these things, you get that? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That pretty much covers everything, wouldn't you say? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. One more verse there in chapter 8. Just look back to verse 28. is one of the verses that someone called out last week talking about well-known verses. Romans 8, 28. We know that that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, or all things work together for good. to those who love God, have been called according to His purpose. All things work together. Not just some things, not just the things that we like, but all things work together for good. So that's kind of like some foundational uh, thoughts I want to lay before we go back now to John chapter 11 and we begin there. John chapter 11 and verse 1. It says what? It says there... It says there in verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So we're introduced to this family, really. Uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they, they, for, they shared uh, a house together. We don't know anything else about them. Lazarus, this Lazarus, anyways, is only spoken about here in chapters 11 and 12. Uh, of the Gospel of John. There's another Lazarus in one of the other Gospels, a different Lazarus. But it says he was from this, this village. They were from this village uh, called Bethany. Now, Bethany was only about a mile or so, a little bit more than a mile from the city of Jerusalem. If you have the city of Jerusalem, if you can picture it, and, and then you have the Kidron Valley in between that, and then on the other side, the Mount of Olives. Well, up on top of the Mount of Olives, a little further past where you'd come to this village called Bethany, where uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. Now, Jesus, at this point in the story, in this account, Jesus was further out. We saw that he went out into the countryside where, where John the Baptist had been baptizing. So, but he's about 20 miles away. La- uh, uh, Bethany is about a mile and a half or so from Jerusalem, but Jesus is about 20 miles further out in the wilderness, away from 
uh, the city of Jerusalem in this, in this region of Judea. Luke chapter 10, uh, I think is, is this, this passage in Luke chapter 10, is one of my favorite passages, talks about Mary and Martha. And some of you recall that where, where you know, uh, Jesus was there and, and, you know, Martha was all upset and worried about serving and the business of everything that was going on. But it said that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus listening to what he said. Look at verse 2. It says, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So this Mary, the one who, again, sat at the feet of Jesus, it says that she was the same one. Now, this is the one we'll see where, when we get to chapter 12. We'll look at that account. But he tells us this ahead of time. Of course, he's writing after all these things have occurred. So he, he tells us about this. But we'll get to that in chapter uh, 12. Verse 3, so the sisters, they sent word to Jesus. And this is what they said, Lord... This, this appears to be all that the message said. Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. Because of this illness, and it had to be serious for them to go to this trouble, because, again, there, there's no text messages, right? There's no email, there's no telephone, there's no way to get the word to someone in those days besides going there. And so to go 20 miles, that, that wasn't, you know, that took at least a day. And most often it would take two days to go 20 miles. You know, they didn't have, you know, like fast transportation. So for them to do that, it was obviously something serious. But let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus already knew? Being who he is, God the Son, he knew. He already knew that Lazarus was ill. But it's important, I think, even though Jesus already knows, it's important for you and I to tell him to come. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to talk to him about the things that are going on in our lives. And so it's not wrong. They could have said, well, he already knew, and maybe they didn't understand that he was you know, omniscient and knew all things. But we know that, but does that mean we, well, God, you know, Jesus already knows, so why should I even bother telling him, right? He wants us to come to him. He wants to have a relationship with him, us to have this relationship where we talk to him, and he, he listens. They said to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we see, it's mentioned here for the first time, that Jesus loved this man Lazarus. They didn't make that up. You can say, well, are they trying to twist Jesus' hand, you know, Jesus' hand because, you know, the one you love, he's sick. What are you going to do about it? You've got to do something here. But I think what we see, what I want to focus, first of all, is this, is that Jesus loved this man. He really loved him. 
Jesus, he loved him as God. We know God so loved the world, he sent his son. Jesus loves as God, but Jesus also loves as a human being because he came and took the form of a human being. So he loved as a human being would love as well. And we can somehow relate to that. Our love isn't surely as pure as his is, but we can somehow relate in some levels to the fact that, that he loved this man. He really loved this man. As a matter of fact, we're not going to get it to it today, but later on, and, and the shortest verse in the Bible is what? Jesus wept, right. And why did he weep? Because he was weeping over the fact that this man, Lazarus, was dead. It just overwhelmed him. He loved him. I think we get that part, right? You get that part. Jesus really loved him. It's an established fact. It's no, there's no question about it. Yet, Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is very sick. The one you love is sick, they said to Jesus. They sent this message by messenger. So how could it be? How could that be? We're talking about Jesus now. Yes, he was the son of man and he had that emotion and he loved him, but he was also the son of God. And so if the son of God really, really loved this man, Lazarus, how could he allow him to get sick? You see what I'm getting out here? You know, we know the whole rest of the story, what's going to happen here, but, but how could that possibly be? And, and we have to apply that to ourselves. If God loves you and God loves me, how could he possibly allow me to get sick? How could he possibly allow me to have a heart attack? Jesus, I thought you loved me. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, he said, the love of Jesus does not separate us from the common necessities and infirmities of human life. He, doesn't, he loves us so much, but it doesn't, it doesn't protect, it doesn't stop us from, from just the, the stuff of this life. As we'll see, he uses it, and he works through it, and, and we don't always know what his plan is. But, but that's why I said this statement here that he loves us no matter what happens. And we have to understand that the enemy is going to hammer us. Well, look, he doesn't really love you. Look, look what's happening to you. Look how you are. Look what's going on. I'm sick of the enemy hammering at me, you know. And the lies that he tells, because he's the father of lies. He's always going to lie. He's going to say, God doesn't really love you. It's a lie, I tell you right now. Jesus loves you, and no matter what is going on in your life, He loves you, and He loves you with, a, with an unfailing love. Unfailing love. No matter what happens. And nothing, as we read in Romans chapter 8, will separate us, can stop it, can, can make uh, it go away. Certainly not sickness. Warren Wiersbe said the fact that he loves us and we love him is no guarantee that we will be sheltered from the problems and the pains of life. And he goes on to give the example of the fact that the father loved his son. Do we not know that? The father loved his son, and yet he allowed him, he called him what? To the cross. 
Jesus loves you no matter what. I don't know what's going on in your life. I, I, you know, he knows. He knows all about it, whether you've talked to him about it or not. He knows everything that is going on in your life, and he still loves you. I want you to know that. You've got to know that. You've got to know that. I need to know that because the rest of it is all lies. He loves you no matter what. Moving on, verse 4, it says, When he heard this, Jesus got the word, he got the message, he got the messengers came, got to him. What does it, what does it say? Jesus said this, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. This sickness will not end in death. Interesting thing, and I'm going to talk more about this next week, but the interesting thing about it is uh, when you do the math, we're not going to get to it, but when you do the math about when did this Lazarus actually die, there's a very good chance and probability that he died before the messenger ever got to Jesus. Now, Jesus said this when he heard what they said. What does he say? He said, this sickness will not end in death. But if he had already died, you see, there's something about death that Jesus has a whole different program, a different you know, conception of death than you and I do. He says it's for God's glory. God's going to get glory out of this. And God's Son, who he's speaking about himself, would be glorified through all of this. Look, jump down with me to verse 25. Jesus said to her, to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, this is very different from what we say. You just, you're going to die and that's it. It's over. No, he said there's something beyond this life, beyond what we call death. And that's why he could say, this sickness will not end in death. The truth of the matter is that, that Lazarus would die, but it would not be the end. And we know we're not going to talk about the resurrection of Lazarus today, but we know that God is going to raise him through his son Jesus. He's going to raise him from the, from the tomb, right? We know that. And so, so in one sense, Jesus what he said is not going to end in death. That, In other words, death's not going to be the end of this. He's going to be raised from the dead. But let me ask you this. Did Lazarus continue living forever? Lazarus actually died later, again. So was that the end of Lazarus? No. He who believes in me, even though he dies... And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's the resurrection uh, and the life. And, and through Jesus Christ, we have hope beyond this life. To live is Christ, to die is what? It's gain. It's more. It's better. It's beyond. It's not the end. This sickness will not end in death. It's for God glor God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified uh, through it. 
God had a purpose in it. God was going to use it. We know that. And, and, and just the miraculous thing of what he would do in, in Lazarus' life. But, but did he raise everybody from the dead? No, actually, very few. But what he said here in verses 25 and 26 apply that, the, you know, death isn't the end. In fact, death really is just the beginning uh, for us in terms of, of being in the very presence of God and having uh, a, a, a relationship where we see him face to face. But here, now coming to the kind of the surface of it, God had a purpose for the sickness. God had a purpose for the sickness that Lazarus had. Say, God has a purpose for sickness? God, God has a purpose? God uses sickness at all? It, you, there are some verses in Psalm 119 where he says, you know, bef- he, the writer says, before I was astray, I, I was afflicted, but now I've, I've come back, now I follow your word. God uses sickness in our life sometimes. Now, that doesn't mean we like it. Nobody likes it. Martha and Mary certainly did not like him being sick. Do you think that they did? I don't like being sick. None of us like being sick, but, but God had a purpose for it. It was for his glory. His glory would come of it. Even if it ended uh, in a physical death, there would still be glory in it because those that believe in him would, would, would now see the glory of God in all of its fullness. But here, I think, to show the glory of his son, we're going to see the fact that Jesus could raise him, call him right out of that tomb. That he would demonstrate who he was, the power that he had, the ability he had, because he was God. Now, you and I, we don't always see the purposes of God. We just, we don't. That's why we studied last week in, in Proverbs, you know, 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your and lean not on your own understanding, right? In all our ways, what? Acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. You, you have most of it there, you see. We don't always see, so we can't lean our, on our own understanding to know what God's going to do. But that doesn't mean, just because you and I don't understand, it doesn't mean it is, He has a purpose. It doesn't mean He doesn't have a purpose for it. I think we can pray. I think it's okay to pray. And again, they sent word to Jesus, you know, a few words, you know, Lord, the one you love is sick. I think it's okay for us to say, Lord, I don't understand why this is all happening and I, I, I'm going to trust you in it. But it would kind of, you know, can you just fill me in a little bit about like what this is going to be and what, you know, if it's time for me to go home to heaven, I'm okay with that. I still can't, you know, get this out of my head. Bill Kinnaman, you know, he was just ready to go. He, he just knew, Lord, if that's what you want, I'm ready to go. It wasn't easy for those of us that were here. It, you know, it hurt us very deeply for him to go. It hurts me very deeply. He was a pillar in my life. But the glory of God that he then saw and that, that he knew that he was going to a greater place because of his faith in Jesus Christ. 
Verse 6. We're going to make it all the way to verse 16. Trust me. It says, yet, excuse me, verse 5. I missed verse 5, didn't I? It's not even here in my notes. Where did it go? Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That's what I was talking about, where Jesus loved them each individually. And, And you know what? He knows your name. He knows your individual name. He knows what your name is. And he loves you individually. Yeah, he loves the whole church. He loves his whole body. He loves the whole body of Christ. But he loves you and he loves me individually. He knows me. He knows you. He knows you better than anybody else does. Your spouse, your mom, your dad, your brother. He he knows you inside and out. Like no one else could ever know you. And yet he still loves you. That's amazing, right? That's grace and mercy, I think. He still loves us. But verse 6, look at that, what it said. It says, yet, he loved them. He, it, says it, he, it says it again, he loved them. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he, where he was two more days. Now, despite the fact of whether or not Lazarus was already dead, he, he had this de- deliberate delay. He, he, he waited even though he loved them, whether, whether he was alive still or not, you'd say, well, well, you know, he needs to get back there even for the sake of the family, right? For the, for the rest of the family and be there with them. But again, he had a plan and, 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 and Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he waited there an extra two, two more days. He had a, a timetable that wasn't ours. And how many times is that true for you and I? You know, we, we, we pray and we ask and we want and, and, and we bring things to Him. And, and, you know, how soon do we want it done? Yesterday, Yesterday exactly. Uh, you know, I don't want to go through this anymore, so do it and do it now. I don't think he asks us that question, though. How soon do you want that? You know, when so, you, know, you order something from a company, well, how soon do you need that? I don't think he asks us that question. But that doesn't stop us from telling him when we want it. Can you do this? Lord, this is really a, really a big problem, and can you do something about it now? And he says... No, not now. Why? Because he has a plan. He knew. He waited two days. He knew exactly what he was doing. David Guzik said it was mystifying to the disciples and agonizing to Mary and Martha. The disciples are going like, Jesus. And Mary and Martha are going, Jesus, where are you? That's what they say when, when he finally gets there and, and, and they, they, he talks to them. He says, like, where were you? The disciples 
Warren Wiersbe said, if, if Jesus loved Lazarus so much, why did he allow him to get sick and why did he delay to go back to, to get to them? If he, loved, if he loved them so much, you'd think he would just like get you know, on the donkey, get moving right now. Because it says he loved all of them, not just Lazarus, so he loved the whole family. But, but he has some kind of a plan. And someone else said this, God's delays are not God's denials. So just because he's delaying, that doesn't mean that he says no. He might be saying, not right now. That's all he's saying. Wait, be patient. Be patient. Jesus loves us no matter what happens, no matter when it happens, no matter when he answers. He loves us no matter what. Look verse 7. It says, then he said to his disciples, after two days, he waited two days. They're going like, okay. They kind of got, they got that. They got used to that idea. Because look what happens. It says, then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi... They said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Now, Bethany, this town, this village where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived, is in Judea. In Judea, we already saw that earlier in the chapter, twice before already in chapter 8 and in chapter 10, where they picked up stones to kill him. That's what they're referring to. Now, the disciples... They're, they're thinking about that now. They're thinking about how dangerous it is. It isn't just about Lazarus now. The first time in chapter 8 came after Jesus said, you know, before Abraham was, I am. And they got mad at him. Why? Because he was proclaiming himself to be God. The second time it happened was very similar when he says in John chapter 10, he says, I and the Father are one. They got mad at him again. Why? Because he proclaimed himself to be God. And in both those, in both those situations, when they wanted to do whatever, you know, kill him, he just walked away. They had no power over him because he is God. Verse 9, Jesus answered them, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Jesus is always saying stuff like, what are you talking about? We just tried to tell you that it's dangerous back, back there over in, in Judea, so why would you want to go? Even though, yeah, Lazarus, but, you know, he's probably already dead or whatever, but... but what are you talking about? This daylight, 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day won't stumble. He sees by, you know, it, it's when he walks by night, he stumbles, he has no light. Jesus is, is talking about what he needed to do and what you and I need to do as well. And he's, talk, he's kind of used this example before and he's going to use it again. That when it's daylight, I need to do what I need to do when the daylight's here. At nighttime, I can't do it. So we only have so much time, and we, we ha only have so much time. And as I said, he's now, he's now coming to the end of this, this 
part of his life, this last week of his life. So he says that, you know, there's t- we only have so much time. We need to do what we need to do. And I think that applies to you and I as well. We only have so much time in this world. And, and, and while, God, while God still has us in this life, in this body, in this world, what is it that you and I need to do? What should we be doing? How are we serving him? Do we have a role? Do we have a place that we can say, you know, I'm actively serving you, Lord, and, and I, I, or I want to offer myself to serve you, and how is that? How can I do that? How can I better do that? There's only 12 hours of daylight. I don't think he's talking about Rhode Island in winter because it seems like we have about four hours of daylight here. You know, when you go out, it's four o'clock and it's dark. Like, I know it's starting to get better now. We've already passed that, that black day. But there's only so much time that we have. And Jesus was saying the same thing here, too. We, we need to work while we have time, while the light is on, while the, while the light is here. He said it later in chapter 12. He said, walk while you have the light. Jesus had work to do. And, and he, had, he had a time to do it. And, and part of it was going to see Lazarus and the family there to finish what he started. Verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Don't you love that? His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. There, this, this terminology was used uh, in the Bible to, to talk about physical death when someone, you know, they, the, the, our fa- the father slept. And that, mean, that means that they physically died, right? But in this particular situation, the disciples thought, you know, he, he must be sleeping. And in fact, you know, when, when you're sick, what do people say to you? Get some rest. You need rest. You need to get out of here, is what I say to them. I've had enough rest. I'm tired of being sick. No. He says, you know what? He, he, he'll get better. He's sleeping. He needs the rest. He'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking about his death. I think one of the things that they might have been thinking was, you know, Lazarus, he's going to get better. He's, he just needs to rest up. He'll be all right. And we don't need to go back there where the danger is. We don't need to go back into the, you know, those crowds that hated you because it's, it's dangerous. It's scary. But again, Jesus is saying, listen, we need to go do what we need to go do. But then in verse 14, he says this, so then he told them plainly, Listen, watch me, listen, watch my lips. Lazarus is dead. That's, that's it, the plain truth. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. He told them plainly. 
It's crazy. I think he had, I think he had, them, he had, he had to, to let them know how final this really is, how serious this really is. The Bible talks about that in a lot of different ways, that when we get to the place where there is no hope, that's when the God of hope can do something. Sometimes it has to get to that place in, in our lives where it has to get to this place before it, it's like it's done, it's over, it's, he, he's dead, before he'll actually do something so that we'll see his glory, so that we'll know that it wasn't something that you and I did. It wasn't Mary and Martha giving him some chicken soup or some kind of, you know, fancy medicinal herb. Or is that herb? You say tomato, I say tomato. When hope is lost, then they shall know that I am the Lord. Then they shall know. He says it so, you, so that you may believe. You need to know that, that he's dead. He's really dead. But I'm glad I wasn't there, not because I didn't care about them. We've already seen that. But he was going to do something special to increase their faith so that they would believe, so that they would trust in him more. Isn't that part of why God allows us to go through trials and troubles? So that we would learn to trust him more, to believe, to believe. We're almost done. Look with me at John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. The context again of the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead and what Jesus was going to do. John chapter 20, verse 30 says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. That's what he was going to do in the presence of his disciples. He said, listen, I'm going to do this so that you may believe. But it says here, John says, he did many, many more than just which are recorded, which are not recorded in this book, many more than what, which are recorded in this book. Verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He writes these things so that we would believe. The things that we read here in the, in the Scripture, in the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, so that you and I would believe and that by believing that you may have life in His name. He wants us to have life, eternal life. He used uh, this situation in the life of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and the life of His disciples, certainly in the life of Mary and Martha as well. And of course, Lazarus doesn't really... We don't really know what Lazarus says about it, but we can kind of imagine these things are written that we would believe and that by, that by believing we would have life in his name. So he says, let's go to him. Let us go to him. They're worried about the danger. Let us go to him. Let's go and you are going to be able to see what, what I'm going to do. Let's go. 
I want to see what Jesus is going to do. You can uh, imagine reading this account for the first time where you don't know what's going to happen. Let's go. I want to see what, what's Jesus going to do next. What is he going to do? He said, let's go. The guy, you know, was very ill and he loved him. We don't always know what Jesus is going to do. And as I said earlier, does he raise everyone? Not here. He's going to raise everyone. At least all those who believe to eternal life. In a sense, he raises everyone. I think the scripture says that some to life and some to eternal death, eternal separation. But he's not going to raise everybody from the dead here physically. Verse 16, final verse. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Jesus said, Let us go to him. They could have said no. But Thomas stands up and says, Okay, yeah, okay, let us, yeah, let us also go. Now Thomas, this Thomas is the same Thomas that we find in chapter, uh, was it 20 or 21? And, and what do we call him? Doubting Thomas. But, but we see here, and, and some people read it differently, but, but we see here that he, had, he actually had courage. It's interesting, someone said this, that, that uh, church tradition says that they called him the twin, which is Didymus means the twin, they called him that because he looked just like Jesus. That's what some people wrote from back then. Whether it's true or not, who knows. But we call him Doubting Thomas, but, but here he has some courage. Why do I say that? Because he says, let's go with Jesus, because he was referring to, I believe, the danger that was there. They knew that, that they wanted to kill Jesus, and it was dangerous back there. I don't think he was referring to let's die with Lazarus. He was referring to let's die with Jesus. Let's go. Let's be with him. And just a side note, of all these disciples that, that did go back, they all did die with Jesus as martyrs. Yeah, at the cross, they all kind of scattered and went their way. But after the resurrection, they all became martyrs except for John the Apostle and, of course, Judas. So Jesus loved Lazarus. Back to my theme here. And he loves you and me. And, and, and he always has a plan. Even when, when you and I cannot understand it, he has a plan. And you and I are called to trust him. Will you trust me? He says. Even when it seems like there's a delay, it's like, I wish it would happen now. He says, will you trust me? I have a plan. I'm going to do something. Trust me, will you? There's nothing that can separate us from his love. Not illness, not trials, not troubles, not even death. As a matter of fact, death brings us closer to him. Let's pray.
Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us. I'm not sure any of us can say, oh, I know why you love me. Or maybe we kind of think that sometimes, but really, you just love us. Not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. You love me. Richard Chapman. You say that to him right now. You love me and say your name. You, Jesus, you love me and put your name in there right now. Because it's true. It's the truth. He loves you. And Jesus... You have a plan and a purpose, and, and your love is, is always overarching, overruling, and it, 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 it's over all, and all the things that you might allow in our lives or bring into our lives, you have a purpose and a plan. But ultimately, the plan is life, to, to believe in you. And by believing in your name, you might have life, eternal life, life forever. Father, I, it's not easy being sick. I, 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 I know it's hard. It's wicked hard. It wasn't easy for Lazarus, I'm sure, and then he, and in him dying, and for the family and what they had to go through, and then wondering about where you were. But you knew all about it, and you know all about what's going on in my life, and and each person in this room, you know each and every detail about our lives, and, and you love us. You'll never stop loving us. I can't, even, I can't even understand that, Lord. I can't totally grasp that, Lord. But your word says it, and your word is true. So I hold on to your word, the truth of your word. I hold on to it. And, and as I know the truth of your words, the truth sets me free. Sets each one of us free. The enemy is full of lies, but your word is true. And truth sets us free. Lord, I pray for any here uh, this morning. Maybe they've never heard that you love them. And I pray that, that they would open their hearts and lives and let you in, let you uh, into their lives and accept you as, as the only one that can bring truth and life. Maybe that's you this morning and you, you've heard about Jesus and you know about him, but you've never said it. Maybe right now, today's the day, uh, February, uh, January 12th, 2020. 2020, where you would say to Jesus that you need him, that you want him in your life. And you can pray with me right now and you can say, Jesus. That guy says that you love me. And I need love. And I want that love. 
So I, I just accept it. I accept you. I ask you to come into my life, come into my heart today, right here and right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm not just saying this because people say it, but if you did pray that prayer, I believe that Jesus entered your heart and life. If you, if you prayed sincerely asking him in. Why do I say that? Because he did for me, I already know. I didn't understand a lot, but I, I prayed a prayer just like that, and he came into my life and changed me radically some 40-plus years ago. I can't even remember how many years now. I've got to stop and think. Let's stand and sing together. Chris.